0: Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com. D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M dot WBUR Podcasts. Boston.
1: I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. Boston Globe politics reporter Emma Platov, welcome back to The Common.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, Emma. We have to have you because it's our third and last installment of our collaboration with you guys, the Boston Globe. And uh, you're following up on Republican voters ahead of the New Hampshire primary. So we got to wrap this thing up and we got to finish strong. Before we talk about the voters that you spoke to, remind us, what are the stakes now in New Hampshire, um, especially now that the Iowa caucuses are finished?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're one day out from primary day. For losers like me, that's very exciting. (laughs) And I wish I could tell you how uh, the results will turn out here in New Hampshire. But instead, I can tell you at least where our three undecided voters turned out. We're past the Iowa caucuses now, and even though it's really early in the presidential nominating calendar, a lot of folks in the political world are really looking at New Hampshire as kind of this is it. For folks who don't want to see Donald Trump become the Republican nominee again and face off against Joe Biden in the fall, New Hampshire is really being framed as the last best opportunity to disrupt that. This is his weakest early state. This is the only state where Any of his rivals, in this case, Nikki Haley, really seems to have any kind of shot at potentially overtaking him or even finishing in a strong second.
1: So all eyes are on New Hampshire right now. Emma, what's the latest?
0: Well, I spent this past weekend crisscrossing the state with some of the candidates, and the big news came on Sunday, uh, actually between two Nikki Haley events, the news broke that Ron DeSantis has officially made the decision to get out of the race and endorse Donald Trump. So he wasn't polling very strongly in New Hampshire, so it's not a huge shakeup to the race, but that was sort of the big news coming out of the weekend.
1: Mm. Okay, now with that said, how many of the voters that you focused on for this project are planning to vote for Donald Trump?
0: So interestingly, and something we noticed when reporting this project, is the people who are with Trump, a lot of them have been with him from the beginning. They did not waver. They were always sure. So when we focused on undecided voters, we naturally found fewer Trump supporters than you might find in the GOP electorate at large. So of the three voters we focused on, uh, just one of them is planning to vote for Donald Trump at this point. You may remember hearing from him. It's James Tebow, a first-time voter and high school senior. He told me after Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race— And even actually before Ron DeSantis had officially left the race, he was concerned about candidate viability and he was going to back the front runner. I think that I'm going to end up voting for President Trump, especially with Vivek dropping out and endorsing him. And the fact that I don't think DeSantis is going to do well here, I think that leaves Trump as really the only option. I was already on like the never Nikki train, but now it's even more so. But in the end, like... Yeah, I have my issues with President Trump in terms of some policy and some things he said. But at the same time, I have issues with all the candidates. None of them are perfect. You're not going to agree with every
1: single candidate or any candidate 100% of the time. Hmm. Is that typical for the Trump voters that you talk to?
0: I've talked to dozens of Trump supporters in New Hampshire over the last few months, and I would kind of broadly put them into two categories. There are some who agree with anything Trump says. There are many who speak about him even in religious terms. They feel he can do no wrong. They're with him no matter what. They would never even consider looking elsewhere. And then you have voters like James who are making more of a political calculation. You know, you hear him say, "I don't think Trump is perfect. There are things that would change about him. There are things that I disagree with him on. But given what I have before me, given the candidates who are still in the race, I think he's my best pick. And he's taking more of a compromise approach,
1: OK. That's James. What about the other voters? How are they feeling?
0: So the three voters we settled on, I think in many ways, are really telling the story of this primary, which is that we started with such a large field. And we're really finishing with a two-person race between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. She has, you know, from the beginning, really bet a lot on New Hampshire. She spent millions here. She spent a lot of time here. And in the final few days, it's really bearing out, though it remains to be seen whether she's going to have enough support to top Trump or to come in a close second. So the other two undecided voters we talked to, who were looking at a range of candidates even just a few weeks ago, actually both settled on Nikki Haley. And the first one you're going to hear from now is Pam Coffey, who's retired. She's 70 and she lives in Peterborough. And she said that as she watched who was gaining traction in the race and who was losing momentum, Nikki Haley was the clear choice. I have pretty much settled on Nikki Haley. I went back and forth between her and Chris Christie, and it kind of boiled down to, for me, who's got more momentum and traction? And I feel like she does. She's just saying things, not that people want to hear, but that people need to hear. She's openly talked about, we need to leave behind the chaos. And I think so many people, We're just tired of the chaos. A lot of people made that same point to me, including the next voter. You'll hear from Jeff Connor, who's 50. He owns and drives his own truck and he's voted for Trump in the past. But this year, he really feels like the country needs something different.
1: Probably Nikki Haley. She just seems to be a new, fresh start. And she seems to spend more time talking about what she'd like to get done. And she doesn't seem to get caught up in as much of the drama as some of the other candidates you're never going to find a candidate that clicks off all the boxes. So you got to kind of find one that's going to best work with you. And in this case, being the primary right now, it's kind of nice because instead of voting for the one that's going to do the least amount of damage, I almost feel that we get an opportunity now to vote for the one that's going to do the most good. Mm. Nikki Haley seems to be really resonating with these voters.
0: She absolutely is. And I when I had this conversation with Jeff, I just kept thinking how happy Nikki Haley would be to hear how he describes her. You know, this is exactly the pitch she's been making for months to New Hampshire voters and across the country saying that we need to move on from the chaotic era of Donald Trump. She, The line she likes on him is, rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. And she wants to be a new generation of leadership. She's decades younger than the frontrunners um, on either side of the aisle right now. And clearly that message is coming across. You know, Jeff told me he heard her ads on the radio. He saw them on television. He's getting just inundated with political mail in the final few days before the primary here. And with just hours to go, clearly she's stuck the landing. Like the message has reached many of the voters she needs. We still just have to see if it's enough voters.
1: We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Emma Platoff of the Boston Globe. Now that Ron DeSantis is gone, what does that mean for Donald Trump and Nikki Haley in this race?
0: For weeks here, this has felt like a two-person race, and now it's officially a two-person race. This is the contest that Nikki Haley wanted. She wanted a one-on-one race against Donald Trump. The question is whether Ron DeSantis getting out of this race helps her or helps him. I was at a Nikki Haley event on Sunday just as the news came in that DeSantis was dropping out, and a lot of the folks there, you know, her supporters, political types— We're optimistic that some of the DeSantis voters would now turn to Nikki Haley, reasoning, you know, these are people who did not want to vote for Donald Trump in the first place. But we actually have polling that shows that for DeSantis voters, Trump was largely the second choice, which suggests that Donald Trump actually may benefit more from Ron DeSantis' exit than Nikki Haley.
1: Got it. What did you learn about voters and how they come to their decisions? And then... How does that shape your expectations for the year leading up to the 2024 presidential elections?
0: I think in many ways, it shows that there's a lot of different facets of the Republican Party, but really underscores the grip that Donald Trump has on it. You know, despite all the legal battles, despite all the controversial remarks, he is the front runner and it's not close. You have voters like Pam who have never voted for Donald Trump and never will. You have some who have voted for him and aren't super excited about voting for him again. I think the other thing that's so important to me about these conversations with voters is it just illustrates how personal these decisions can be, how quirky, how interesting. You know, Jeff told me that something that really influenced him in voting for Nikki Haley was a conversation he had with his mother a few weeks ago when they were watching ABC News. And he told me she never talks about politics, but she piped up when Nikki Haley came on the screen and he thought, huh, I should really give her another look. I think we in the media and when we look at polls, we want this to be some kind of rational scientific process. But for many voters, these decisions are really personal and they're really based on, for lack of a better term, vibes. It's how they connect with these candidates, how they come across, whether they feel like they can trust them, their tone and tenor. And that's something that will continue to shape the election.
1: Mm. Well, Emma, thank you so much. For your time, for coming through, talking to the Common, and collaborating with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. That's Boston Globe politics reporter Emma Platoff. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode and this bonus series of The Common. This was produced in collaboration with the Boston Globe, and I want to give a special thanks to Boston Globe audio producer Jesse Remedios, who contributed to this project. We'll be back with our regular episode tomorrow morning. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you later.